Welcome to Humans of Fintech, the show that tells the stories of diverse leaders who found belonging in our industry, so you can too. I'm Nicole Kasperson. Welcome to Humans of Fintech, the show that tells the stories of diverse leaders who found belonging in our industry, so you can too. I'm Nicole Kasperson. In this episode, I sat down with Kelsey Willock. She's the co-founder of Aura Finance, a financial engagement platform where wellness meets wealth management. I love this platform because it addresses the root causes of money stressors, instead of trying to just give quick fix solutions. Think of it like therapy, but for your money mindset. In this episode, Kelsey and I discuss her journey into entrepreneurship and her personal journey to starting Aura. Kelsey's vulnerable story around racking up a heavy amount of student loan debt and how her situation inspired her to start Aura and the truth about rising together as women in leadership and moving away from this scarcity and abundance mindset that keeps us apart instead of coming together as a community. We also discuss ways that we can come together more as a community. You are going to love this episode. Kelsey is such a light and gem, and I really hope you enjoy it. Kelsey, welcome to Humans of Fintech. Thank you so much for joining me live in Williamsburg here in the studio. It is so good to be back in real life. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for having me. So I know you've been in New York for the last few weeks, doing all sorts of fun things, checking out the Wall Street Bowl. What else have you been up to while you've been in the city? Yeah, my co-founder Courtney and I have been here for about two and a half weeks. We came out to meet with our lead investor because we've never met in person. We started this company in the pandemic completely remote. So now it's been really exciting doing things back IRL. And we have a big event tomorrow. So we are hosting the launch party for the book Heart of the Deal. Our friend Lindsay McMillan wrote it. So Oral will be hosting it and just having conversations with people like you. Uh, New York has such an incredible fintech ecosystem. So we're just so, so excited to be meeting with different investors, founders, all the fun things. Yeah, we're going to have to get you out of San Fran and and, into New York. Feel like that might be what's coming. Oh, gosh. You and so many other New Yorkers, man, (laughs) have been saying the same thing to me. My lips are sealed. I love SF, but I also, I really do love New York. Oh, I know. It's such a hub for fintech. Anyways, I could go on about my my love for the city. But I want to first talk about you, your background. I know that it influences why you are even in the fintech space and how you got to a place where you founded Aura. Tell us about that. I think believe it's a very specific story that involves your parents and, you know, some situations that happen. So I was born and raised in Chicago to two entrepreneurs, went to school at Wake Forest to study entrepreneurship and English. So always wanted to do something creative, get my hands dirty, worked for a number of different startups. So I worked for an ed tech, worked for a fintech, although at the time I don't even think the word fintech (laughs) existed. No. And I also worked for Rent the Runway. So always loved entrepreneurship and how you had to be, you know, you kind of were in control of your own destiny. And when I was about a sophomore in school, my parents' business went under. So I went from you can take on the world to Mm -hmm. here is a ton of student debt and massive amounts of financial anxiety. So I was fortunate enough when I was a junior to get an opportunity to intern at Goldman Sachs, where I shared with a colleague a little bit about the situation that I was in. I felt like I could never even get to zero and really struggled to even share my story with other people because I was so embarrassed. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was really the beginning of how do I learn to make my money work for me rather than have it control me. Mm -hmm. And so flash forward six years I spent at the firm 
working in the global markets division, as well as on a project called Launch with GS, where I was helping grow out an ecosystem of entrepreneurs and really felt compelled to solve the problems that I had experienced, which had a lot to do with how do you get more underrepresented voices invested? Because I experienced a lot of the time where friends had similar stories, but couldn't take the leap to actually make their money work for them and decided to end up leaving the firm about a year ago and joined a program called OnDeck, where I was really focused on creating access. And I met my my now co-founder, who was really thinking about it from a different angle, specifically focused on education. And when we came together and joined forces, her name's Courtney Carden, by the way, she was looking at it from education, I was looking at it from access, and we realized it was an emotional and behavioral problem. And that's what we decided to build was a mindful money management platform. And that's really what Aura's all about. There's something to wanting to go into another, I guess, industry or finding a different place to actually build something to help people based on like your own personal experiences. So how did you maybe find that in the fintech space? I don't think it was about intentionally joining fintech. Mm -hmm. I think it was about recognizing the problem that existed. And the problem came from, you know, personal experiences, which my co-founder and I had, but also just talking to people that had very similar stories about, you know, avoiding the conversation in general, giving their partner or their parent uh, the keys to their financial situation. And sometimes they'd be driving them in the wrong direction. Mm. Um, And so when I first left, I thought it was about creating a platform. But I wasn't convinced that it wasn't educational. I wasn't convinced that maybe it was in a smaller business, but I knew something needed to exist. And I think there's so much power in fintech because it can quickly iterate. But, you know, when you work at a large financial institution, things just take so much time. Yes. Frustrating Mm -hmm. to move the needle. And I loved what I learned at the firm, but trying to move the needle, especially when you have, you know, thousands and thousands of colleagues is, is simply difficult. So I I think landing in the fintech space where, you know, there's different API solutions and whatnot, and there's so many brilliant minds at play, I think we both felt like we could make a lot of impact here. And there were a lot of people ignoring the problems that we wanted to solve. How long did the, I guess, that anxiety that you felt back during, I guess, your college days and it following you? I mean, it must have taken a while, right, to find your own way to pay off the student loan debt. I'm sure there's lots of people that are probably founders of fintechs or, or you know, even uh, executives in the space that probably still haven't done it themselves, right? Because that that can take years. It can take your whole life. It's similar to how you think about anxiety in the scope of therapy. A therapist isn't going to cure your anxiety, nor is Aura intending on curing, but we're here for your journey. And so for me, at the beginning of my journey, I was extremely anxious because I was avoiding the situation. I didn't want to tell people because I was embarrassed. Mm-hmm. I felt, you know, no one of my colleagues from Wake probably even have student debt. So who am I to share that with them? And then finally, when I started having conversations, I felt less alone because there were other people around me experiencing similar things. And flash forward, you know, I was able to take myself the majority out of debt. I actually still have some student debt, which I've gotten more comfortable holding because Mm -hmm. I can make more yield in the market than just, you know, pay off a really low interest rate. But it's about continuing to have the conversation rather than just saying, I need to make this, this bad good. It's Mm. not a good or a bad, it just is. And so how do we kind of move through the motions of you're going to experience turbulence in your life, Mm -hmm. especially financial turbulence. It doesn't mean you're always going to be this flat line up. 
and myself, I, I still experience financial anxiety, especially as a founder, especially in the early days when you have to quit your job and no longer have an income. That is entirely terrifying. So being transparent about that journey, I think, is what we're really trying to do. I mean, what you're getting at is back to that behavioral economics, which is one of the most important things to think about when it comes to finance, financial services, but is still one of the most ignored. Now we're in a place where we're seeing money be so attached to people's values. It's become something that doesn't necessarily force you into an identity, but more so fuels your identity and makes and is a tool that can help you be the person that you want to become. And you know, that feels like something you honed in on early on. And with what you're building, you can help more people feel that as well. Like money doesn't have to be something that you're right, is just good or bad, or I just have to pay off this debt and then I'll be okay. No, it's like a journey that is a part of us, just like therapy, just like anything, just like um, I'm going to be a content creator for what I expect to be my life. <laughs> you know, this is a constant that I need to practice and be well. You get into like a, a routine almost. I think we live in this dichotomy between money is extremely complicated and it's so complicated that I don't know how to tackle it. And mm -hmm. then the opposite is set it and forget it. Don't think about it. I think what we're trying to do is, you know, help with automation because, you know, behavior is so interesting. We often don't do what's best for us because we're so subject to news and whatnot that's going on that could, you know, create poor behaviors. And on the flip side, overthinking something isn't necessarily a good thing. And I think, you know, we are doing a lot of research in the space and we certainly don't have all the answers to how mindfulness interacts with money yet. But our hope is if we learn more about mindfulness and thinking about money and thinking about our goals, aspiring to have certain dreams and aspirations and asking the questions at the beginning, I think we can help put more people on the paths and make them ultimately feel better. Was there anyone in particular who helped you find this sense of belonging in the space or even just as an entrepreneur? So one of my old bosses doesn't come from a fintech background necessarily, but was one of the first people to make me feel really welcome in finance because finance isn't necessarily a welcoming place. No, no, <laughs> not even on the journalism side. Let me tell you. No. Um, and she was one of the first people that introduced to me. If, if you can't really explain something simply, you don't understand it. Whereas mm -hmm. I used to think the people that, you know, created this aura of a black box that you'll never understand were the smartest. And she was the first person to really break things down for me, help me understand financial services in such a simple way. And then also understand that, finance is really about thought and mm -hmm. mindfulness and the way she would help me think through things or, you know, when I would get stressed in my financial services job, we would take a walk. It wasn't just try to get everything done as fast as you possibly can, but sometimes you do need to take a step back. And those small things that I learned from her, I'm even learning how to integrate them into management. How do we mm -hmm. grow culture at a company? 
finance and fintech has been intimidating, even just mm-hmm. entering it from the beginning when I was right out of college and now switching over into the tech side of things. But trying to approach things with less intimidation and more approachability is also what we want to do with Aura. We don't yeah. want to be this scary, intimidating bank that talks down to you, tells you what to do. And yeah. she was the person that taught me that that was okay. And that's a personality in finance that should exist. We could all use an inspiration like that in our lives, in our careers. Do you feel intimidated by the dismal figures of female fintech founders and the 2% VC dollars going to female founders in general? Do things like that scare you? I think it's motivating. Mm. I wish it wasn't true, but I think there needs to be more people uh, coming to the table. And I hope my co-founder and I are going to do everything we possibly can to also support other female fintech founders that want to enter the space. It's mm-hmm. become such a incredibly collaborative community because we all want to rise together. Those numbers, I also think, are similar to intimidate people where, mm-hmm. you know, there's so much discourse right now about you know, the the market and how tragic everything is. But I think if you have this, you know, we always talk about scarcity and abundance mm. mindsets. Like how can we reframe that in abundance and say, you know what, last year was 0.05, this year is one, hopefully next year is 20. But I hope that we come at it with a lens of positivity to continue creating change rather than it just let us tear us down because it's, it's, a, it's a scary story to hear. Mm-hmm but I don't want to be scared by it. I want to be motivated by it. I often say that it's much easier to be cynical than it is to be aspirational, especially in times like this and in a slowdown in in a bear market. I saw this tweet the other day from Kristen Anderson and she's the CEO and and founder of Catch Benefits. She tweeted and reshared a 30 million funding round of a female fintech founder on the compliance tech arena. And she tweeted that another slam dunk uh, funding by, by a female founder. I wouldn't be surprised if, if women really led the way during this slowdown and actually like thrived during it because they're built for these moments. Because at the end of the day, this, this is really a time when you can maybe be more focused on strategy, on being more focused on right culture, on being more focused on how are you going to keep working internally and some of the other bigger fintech companies, right? Thinking of like going IPO or whatever, but like staying private, staying within and making like yourself internally happy as a fintech company, as opposed to, you know, making the outside happy. So I just thought that that was really powerful that she said that. And I feel like I can think of so many amazing females in the space that can definitely like push through any slowdown, any bear market and have that resilience. I'm in a WhatsApp group with a bunch of uh, women in fintech, whether they're investors or founders, and it is incredible how much they want to support one another, especially in tech. And before I went into tech, people would tell me, you know, it is an incredibly intimidating place where it's cutthroat. I haven't had that experience with those people Mm. in fintech. Everyone wants us all to come together and make big change because there's so much that needs to be done. So I'm feeling very motivated and excited. What do you do to maybe help with feelings of anxiety, intimidation as a first-time founder? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. As a first-time founder, doing it all at this time, it's also a very saturated market, right? Like Mm -hmm. 
But I think at the end of the day, if you know your niche and I think there's space for everyone to kind of have their own, just like content creation, there's enough space for everyone to have their niche to cater to their audience. And we're at a time right now where you know folks don't want to just pick from one of the big banks to, to deal with. They want to work with a fintech app that caters to them and their specific needs. So how do you kind of feel just about the landscape and it being so full and how do you not get intimidated by by that and all of those type of things. Think smaller to get bigger. We actually had a conversation today about how do we really, really serve a specific audience. And if you can serve 100 people well, then that's a brilliant thing. And it's all about learning how to scale serving those 100 people well. A year ago when I switched over to tech, I was on Twitter and constantly looking at all these companies exploding out of nowhere. Well, they weren't exploding out of nowhere. It likely took a lot of time, but it was intimidating. And it made me feel like I have to explode out Mm -hmm. of nowhere. But we've been very fortunate enough to surround ourselves by people that say it's okay to slow down. It's okay to think a little bit more intentionally. We constantly say the phrase, let's make sure the bucket's not leaky before turning on a faucet. Mm -hmm. Um, And that might not be for everyone, but it's definitely for us because we want to create an incredible product. And as for financial services being saturated, everyone has money. Money is the leading cause of stress and anxiety at every single product in the market that serves for stress and anxiety management serves the symptoms of them, not the root cause. And Mm -hmm. we want to address the root cause. We want to help people reduce stress and anxiety. We want to help improve their relationship to money, create better behavior patterns And, you know, there are companies addressing that. There's a lot of people talking about wellness, but how do we prove it? How do we take more of a scientific research back approach to really understand it and help people from a mental health perspective as Mm -hmm. well? Because money causes a lot of issues with that. It causes a lot of divorces. It causes so, so much depression, stress, anxiety. Yeah. There's a major trickle down effect. And I think that's what we can make big impact in. I love that you say it to address the root of the problem. And you're so right. Even in the fintech space, it's been a lot of, okay, so let's create a fintech product that puts out this fire or puts out this fire. And and then, you know, an, an audience or, or user base will like run to that because that's, you know, the fire that they have to put out specifically for them. It's a weird thing. I guess that's just how the world has worked, right? Like mm-hmm. instead of trying to actually fix the root of the problem of something, you know, actually trying to find out what's wrong with your health, it's like, and just get a get a spray tan, buy some stuff off Amazon, put on lipstick on it. It'll be fine. But like, let's why don't we actually get to the root of like, oh, why don't I feel good about something as opposed to just buy, buy, buy and, and build, build on top of an already shaky foundation? Yeah, I don't think we're looking for a short term quick fix. We're looking for long term life changes. And that's, again, very rooted in how therapists think. And I think that's how we're thinking about, you know, this therapy-like angle for your wallet, which we hope will create long-term effects for people. Uh, And we are a completely gender agnostic platform, but can't ignore that stress and anxiety as it pertains to money does disproportionately affect people, specifically women. So how Mm -hmm. do we have really intentional conversations with them, learn about what they need from us so we can help them grow their wallets and also live more lives full of abundance. Do you think that's what like right now you're the most proud of is this mindfulness of wanting to address the emotional root cause of what stresses people out about money so that they can actually have this long-term solution 
as opposed to like, oh, we'll just invest in this asset class and then you'll be fine. You know, is that is like kind of being someone that actually gets that make you super proud? Because it's not something I hear of often. It's not that it's what I'm most proud of. I think it's it's part of the puzzle. I think what makes us all at the, at Aura most proud is how do we help people? And, and Courtney says this phrase all the time. So I definitely want to give her <laughs> the credit for it. How do we help people define their rich life? Mm. And I think we're starting to see that be redefined. I think in the past, rich was having as much money as possible, having as much things as possible. For some people, that is still their version of rich, and that is okay. And there's no guilt that needs to be involved. But for others, it's having time. For others, it's being Mm -hmm. able to spend more time with loved ones. For others, it's being able to explore a multitude of different interests, whether they're creators or they're freelancers. Mm -hmm. How do we help all of those people achieve rich, which they often haven't even asked themselves what rich means to them? So I think that's where we start with asking them about themselves, where their story came from, what that story has led them to today, and how we can, you know, we say this cheesy phrase, we want to learn your story so we can help you write the next chapter, whatever that looks like. Mm -hmm. It's not just that everyone needs to be on the same linear path. And I think that's definitely what I'm most proud of. What would be a piece of advice that you would share to anyone listening who maybe feel still like outsiders and how they can maybe feel that their own version of a sense of belonging in the space? I can sometimes get intimidated in large audience groups. And at the beginning of our founder journey, I was finding myself in a lot of those spaces and felt like, oh, if I can't do this, then maybe I don't belong. Mm. And I actually walked out of a large event for fintech um, individuals in San Francisco because I was like, I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't know if I'm actually meeting anyone. And then I found myself in really small curated dinner communities Mm. and was like, this is actually where I feel comfortable. This is where I'm going to have these brilliant conversations with people. It's going to be the ones I'm going to have really intentional conversations with. So I would say find, find your tribe. I hate that (laughs) phrase, but find the communities that you feel comfortable in but don't be afraid to still step into the ones that you're uncomfortable mm-hmm. in because even I'm still growing into those communities. I intend to keep showing up to them and hopefully not walking out of all of them. <laughs> but what makes you feel comfortable um, can empower you. And I'm even finding, uh, I went to a dinner last night and I absolutely loved it. I met some incredible founders there and it just filled me up. It filled me up so much that tomorrow when we have our event with 150 people in the room, I know I can, I can step in in confidence. Mm-hmm. So, Don't be afraid or feel alone when you feel intimidated. I feel intimidated all the time, but do the things that can help you rebound from those intimidating environments. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as humans, we're communal creatures. We want to have that sense of belonging. We want to be able to relate with like-minded people and folks that share similar values. And in the fintech space, you really can find that. It is hard. There's a lot of tight-knit groups. Like, there's people that know each other for years. Like, I remember even when I was first starting out with, like, this podcast and and my my brand, I would, like, getting me to work a room was hard, <laughs> um, and which is funny because I'm literally, like, a podcast host. But I think it doesn't matter what you do. It can still be, it can still be challenging. But, yeah, I think dinners are a great way to ease your way into it. Even just, like... Because just sitting down with like a couple people around you and then finding out how many people and I get this with the common thread of all my podcast guests is like no one came into fintech 
because they grew up wanting to come into fintech. They come into fintech because in some way or another, they either didn't belong in finance or they didn't belong in traditional tech or they were in those roles and they felt like they weren't getting any real value or making any good impact on the world. So they they came into the fintech with the with the promise in this mission-driven world of we're going to help make the world a better place with all this technology and all the information that we have, which is totally possible. So I think that the more that we can lean on each other and find that those communities in the fintech space, that the greater chance we have of that mission and, and fueling that. And so that's what's been nice about doing the show, having folks like yourself here, even hosting events, right? Like I'm so excited for you to host your first event. It's so fun. I was terrified, but I have like an amazing team behind me, you know, and you, and then you just keep growing. And one of the best pieces of advice I ever got was someone told me, you know, when someone introduces you to someone new, make sure you introduce them to like three more people and then just let that keep growing and growing. And that's like a beautiful thing to have. And not all industries are like that, you know? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It feels less cutthroat in fintech, I feel. At least maybe now. It's maybe still <laughs> cutthroat in the sense of like we were talking about before. It is a, a deeply, not right, maybe not saturated as much as like there's so much going on and there's so many mm-hmm. companies growing in this space. So, you know, even when I was saying before, like think small, like small wins go mm-hmm. far away. I was recently working on, you know, how do we create different marketing strategies and, you know, entered the world of TikTok, which is such an incredible community, but also deeply intimidating. And yeah. I, f- I was telling a friend the other day I had to take a breather because I was getting a lot of online hate. Mm. And she's an influencer or a creator and was telling me, screenshot big wins. And whenever you're feeling down, read them. And I've been starting to do that. And That's even when any of our you know, founding members of Aura have a critique, which I hope they do because it's going to make us better. Sometimes you need to look at the things that they sent you that filled you up mm. because it's going to help motivate you and say, you know, I'm on the right path. There's going to be hiccups along the way, but there are people that love this and need it. And that's what's going to keep you going. I want to ask you one of my favorite questions on the show. If we need to be the change that we want to see, what change do you want to see in fintech and how do you embody it? Oh, gosh. <laughs> I think there needs to be a lot more underrepresented voices in the system because they have been ignored for way, way, way too long. One of the stats that has always stuck out to me was about the buying power of women. Women control 83% of consumer spending, yet make up the minority of investors. And I think that the system was designed to create that impact. So how do we listen to women? How do we listen to underrepresented communities that haven't had products built for them because maybe the CAC on them is too high or maybe no one wants to have the conversation with those individuals? We want to have those conversations. We want to have the hard conversations because if we get more diverse voices in the system, we are going to make it ultimately better. We also recognize in order to be inclusive, you can't be exclusive. Mm -hmm. So that's why Aura is not just a platform for women. It is for anyone experiencing any level of financial anxiety, anyone looking to make a mindset shift in their life, grow wealth, have conversations about money, improve their relationship to it. But without having intentional conversations with the people that so sorely need to be heard, you can't make big change. It's not just about branding and marketing. It's about really building products with them in mind. And that's really what we want to do. Yeah. Hell yeah. I mean, anyone that's ever 
read or followed anything that uh, what the fintech and humans of fintech does would know that I agree with that wholeheartedly. And it will take, you know, leaders like yourself and people that are so intentional and, and content creators and everyone, every stakeholder in this industry needs to get on board. And so when you say it isn't about being exclusive, but fully inclusive, and I resonate with that so much, I didn't make what the fintech a, or humans of fintech a you know female only interview or a female only platform for that reason because i know that it takes all of us and to have more horizontal oppression just isn't the answer we all need to lift each other up all right who is one person in fintech that you think is positively changing the space that we should be following courtney carden she is my absolutely incredible co-founder brilliant writer spearheader of so many of the products that we have on our platform and the product itself. Her mind of thinking about money and mindfulness and how it relates to your relationship to finance has even changed my perspective in life. And everything that she has shared with me and brings to our product and platform, we're often working on ways in which we can take our conversations away from the closed doors that we have or the closed Zoom conversations that we have and bring them into the world, whether it's through our blogs or conversations like this today. I would definitely encourage everyone to read her work on the Aura Finance blog <laughs> um, and beyond because a lot of what I do, I'm coming at it from my financial services background as well as my lived experience. Um, but she spent a lot of time thinking about uh, behavior she was working at an impact fund where they spent a lot of time helping mm. individuals think through their money stories. So that's certainly her expertise, as well as becoming a money coach. Um, mm -hmm. So definitely check her out. As well as, you know, I can't even begin to name the list of names of specifically women that I have had conversations with, have worked together with, have collaborated with in the past year. But any women in fintech that you see on the rise, check out the work that they're doing. Yeah. Because it's absolutely brilliant. And I'm so glad that you're finally giving so many of those uh, individuals the spotlight that they definitely deserve. It is my pleasure. It is my honor. I'm I'm so happy to do it. All right. Well, tell us, Kelsey, what we can expect from you next. Yeah. So Aura is in a closed private beta with our founding members. But that doesn't mean that uh, you can't join the platform or join our community. So currently we have a newsletter also like you. Um, so you can go to AuraFinance.io, sign up for our wait list. You can check out our newsletter and our blog, TBD, on when you can actually get access. Because like I said, we really want to handhold our users. We want to create an incredible experience for everyone. But if you really, really want to jump the wait list, you can always invite your friends, refer them. And if you help grow our community, we definitely want to reward you to bring you back to jumping up and getting to join sooner. Uh, but more news to come. But that's a little bit about what's on the roadmap for Aura. And the last thing I should mention is if you are interested in learning a little bit more about your money story, you can take our quiz. Mm -hmm. uh, we developed it with a team of behavioral psychologists. And it's all about learning about your money story again, so we can help you write that next chapter. It's crazy what a couple minute quiz can help you discover about yourself so you can be a better version of it. Really well said. So excited to see you soar, to see the company soar and all of the good things ahead. I'm very, very excited. And 
I'm hoping that I get to snag a slot in the uh, the user experience there. So thank you so much again, Kelsey, for joining. This is such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. It's been amazing. Oh my gosh, of course. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. To hear our next story from another diverse leader, be sure to tune in next week. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to our show and give it a five-star rating as it helps our message reach more people who want to find belonging too. <laughs>